Okay, now on to our speaker, Nancy Hutchins. Um, we are so honored to have her tonight. She has blessed so many. Talk about a servant's heart. Um, she has met with me about accountability. We went to, um, when we went on the retreat, we had small breakouts, and she hosted one, and I was in it. And I know I wasn't the only one, but we, when it was over, we were just wanting more and more and to hear more. And so she's going to talk about pretty much the same stuff she talked about then, but we're going to have more time here. So we were so excited to have her. So a little bit about Nancy. She was born in Chattanooga. She was raised in a happy home by two sweet God-fearing school and went on to the University of Georgia to study education. During college, she met and fell in love with Brandon. They were married in 1998. Her first career was a high school English teacher to 9th and 11th graders at McEachern, where she had gone to high school. When her first child, Emma, arrived, she began the career she'd always dreamed of, of being a stay-at-home mom and wife and mother to four children. Sharing life with Brandon and raising four darling kids and eventually homeschooling each of them has been the most rewarding life and work she could have dreamed of. She's passionate about her words in general and how people use them on page and in conversation. She's forever intrigued with her Bible and the many words that God has given by which to know him better. Currently, she is thrilled to be writing and teaching a weekly Bible study for junior and senior high school girls on Thursday mornings. At home, she loves to read aloud and cooking for her family. She loves a good read aloud. Is that right? Read aloud and cooking for her family. And in her heart, she is a creative busybody who rests best alone with a good book. So you guys are in for a treat. So help me welcome Nancy Hutchins. All right. Am I, am I live? Can you hear me? Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm, I'm just encouraged to see all of y'all, and I need community. Just, I think we all do. People came to those. We didn't come for the food, you know. We didn't come for the cafeteria-style food that we got served. We came because our friends were going to be there and because our parents wanted to get us into the Awanas or whatever was going on on Wednesday night. So I'm just grateful for an opportunity to get together, share a meal, and maybe learn something new. Um, <clears throat> let me pray before I forget to do that, and, um, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are real and we can trust you. You are here with us, and your word says that you lay your hand upon us, and such knowledge is really too wonderful for us. So we know that your hand is on us, each one of us tonight, and Lord, I pray that you would just clear the mechanism, clear my mechanism for sure, but I pray that you would clear each of these women's hearts and heads um, to hear, hear from you tonight. Um, <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you would um, just bless these women in, through, or in spite of what I say this evening. Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit would rule and reign. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so there. Um, so I, I'm a high school teacher, really, today still. <laughs> I, I do have two high school, two teenagers in my home, and I, um, I, am an, I love to teach. 
And so there is paper and pen on your tables um, if you want to write something down. It took, it really was difficult. Okay, so um, it was difficult for me to package all of this stuff. I wanted to give y'all a worksheet so bad. (laughs) And I was still working on your worksheets yesterday. (laughs) And it was going to be four pages. (laughs) So Miss Kim was going to be front and back copying two pages for all of you and collating. And I finally let go of the dream at like 4 p.m. yesterday. I wanted fill in the blank so bad. It just would make me feel better. So, but we're moving on. Um, we're, we're, if you want to jot something down, use your paper. I, we, I'm a new mother. I'm getting a puppy tomorrow. This is Penny Lane. <laughs> so there's been two things um, in January that have, like my whole life, I've been shaping my life around these, these two things. And one was January 23rd women's event, and two was January 24th, going to pick up this precious baby dog. And I wonder if you can guess which one I've been looking more forward to. (laughs) Um, For sure, I've been a little under the weather this week, and my children ask me every morning, very, with so much care, "Are are you better, mommy? Are you feeling better? And it's only because they want to be sure I'm going to be healthy enough to drive two hours to go pick this one up. So that's what's going on in my life. Um, Okay, so I stand before you tonight. We're going to talk about our thoughts. We're going to talk about the inner life. And I want you to know that God's word is really, really, it comes strong um, about the importance of the inner inner self, the inner life, the heart. Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Above all else. We We've just heard it so many times, but it's it's huge. We've got to we've got to give this time. We've got to give this some thought. So that's what we're going to talk about: managing the inner traffic. But I want you to know that I come to you as someone who is um, weak. Uh, this is perfect that I'm teaching you all this tonight because I have not been practicing managing the inner traffic in my life. I want you to know I have bawled my eyes out this very week over difficulty with a friend and had a, and I mean, I have truly like been in the trenches in the last seven days and so much of it, I can't control my circumstances, but I've got to, I've got to manage my inner, my inner thought life. So I I can't say I've done it well this week, um, but I can tell you this little tidbit has been life-changing for me over a period of 10 years. So Gary Smalley gets all the credit. I went on, a, um, went on a trip with Brandon years ago, and we were lucky enough to hear Gary Smalley speak, and this was what he told us about. And he, he was kind of in the sunset of his career, and he, he, was, he had had a really tough time. And um, he began to do this practice of managing his inner, his inner life and his thoughts. And I thought it was just so amazing. It, I came home and it revolutionized my marriage and my home life. So that's, that's where we're headed. Let's dive in. Um, God has strong words about the power of our inner life. He does say, you know, guard your heart um, because it's the wellspring of life. We got to take time 
to think about the things that we're thinking about. It's, so, it's such a worthy thing to do, to just pause and look at the ruts that are in your brain and recognize, I do this the same way every day, you know, or every time I stub my toe on that thing, I, I think, oh, my house, my house is a wreck. You know, you know what it is? You, you, there's something that happens, and it kicks you off down a pattern of thinking. Some, your friend does the same thing, hang, hangs up the phone the same way, and it just chaps your hide, and you're like, doggone it. And it kicks off a, a negative train of thought. So we got to take time to think about what we're thinking about, <clears throat> and getting a hold of it, I think, has the chance to change your whole life. So you are having between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. I think that's pretty phenomenal. Uh, and when you break it down, it's really 35 to 48 thoughts per minute, okay, all day long. Your brain is working, working, working. You are making 35,000 decisions a day. I learned that just this week on a blog with Emily P. Freeman. Um, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot to manage. It's a, it, it's, so it's something worth taking a look at. When the numbers get up like that, it's like, okay, we got to take notice. All right, many thoughts are useless, and they clutter up our minds, but repetitive thoughts have the power to shape our reality. So things that you are thinking about over and over and over again, those things, whether they are true or not, they are shaping your reality. And, you know, the reason I ask this question, do you sense the gravity of that statement? Is because when you start talking about shaping your reality, what you're doing is you're shaping your belief system. It's, these are things that you believe are true because you are thinking them over and over and over again. So anything that we think is the truth will become a belief. And why does it matter? Well, here's the definition of belief. And when you take a moment to sort of examine it, you say, wow, that's beliefs are it's a big deal. An acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists, that someone or something that someone accepts as true or real. So when you think the same thing over again, take one, maybe a, a young person would say, I'm not good at math. Just think it over and over again. And where will you end up? Yeah, you won't like it, and you won't feel like you're good at it either. Um, I have one child in my house who often says, I'm an introvert. Blame it on that, you know, and I'm like, don't say that. Don't say that over and over again. You can do lots of things just because you rest best alone. That's all introvertedness means. It doesn't mean you can't get out there and change the world. It just means you need to rest by yourself. So it will, your, things that you're thinking over and over again are going to become your beliefs. So obviously your beliefs are going to powerfully inform your life. They're going to shape your reality, and they're going to shape your behavior. <clears throat> okay, so this was the thing that really, really just, this was what Gary Smalley said. So I, we, I give him all the credit. So beliefs and trees, when you think a thought... You've got to remember that I think we, we think, oh, well, I just thought that for a second, and now it's gone. 
But your thoughts, especially your repetitive thoughts and your thoughts that you think with passion and emotion, they are constructing meaning in your brain. They are building something in your brain. And so let's just use a tree as an example. You are growing a tree in your brain when you think things over and over again or you think about things with a lot of passion and emotion. Think about it. Think about falling in love. Right? You think about this person over and over again, you just, and you're doing it with passion and with emotion, and you're growing love for this person in your heart. It's, it's a real thing. You're growing a cathedral of love for this person. So trees, think about trees. Brain neurons are deeply impacted by repetitive thought patterns. I didn't know that. I think I learned that on the internet, or maybe Mr. Smalley told me that. Um, but brain neurons are deeply impacted by repetitive thoughts thoughts that you think with passion and with emotion. So neurons go to work, they build, and they grow systems in your brain, especially when you think about things over and over and over again. All right? So we, I think you got that. Let's move on. All right. Bad trees. I'm going to give you an example. Brandon and I, we weren't newlyweds. Well, I think I, I was probably staying at home with Emma. I told my, my teenage girls this in Bible study. They come to my house on Thursday mornings, and I said, y'all, Mr. Brandon. And I told them the whole story in a total whisper. They were, like, on the edge of their seats because Brandon's, like, feeding my children breakfast in the kitchen. I was like, let's keep this under wraps because this is all about him. Um, so he, he had a lot of T-shirts, tons and tons of T-shirts, Fraternity T-shirts, Georgia Tech T-shirts, baseball T-shirts. And I just thought he had too many T-shirts. And I mean to tell you, I would fold his laundry and I would get mad while I folded his laundry. This is my, that was my trigger. I, he's working. The least I can do is fold the laundry and, and even try to put it away for him. But the thing that would drive me, his drawers, I couldn't close his, you've done this before, where you've, you've scraped your knuckles. I'm trying to close his drawers. And I, I can't even close the drawers. He has so many t-shirts. It's, I have way fewer t-shirts than he has. Good people do not have this many t-shirts. This is like, this is hoarding of t-shirts. Uh, you know, it was just like, tri- I'm not kidding. I, I literally, I build this huge case and it starts with the laundry. It starts at t-shirt time. And I can tell you that it would kick off a series of kind of negative thoughts about him. He, he is just, oh, he's not good at this. And it's just the t-shirts show me that there's so many deeper problems here. I mean, meanwhile, like, he's, like, never misses a day of work. He's out the door at 6 a.m. He's precious with our children. He's precious with me. But I'm, I'm telling you what, he would get home at the end of the day, and I'm not kidding you, I would go off. Like, I had been thinking all day about this, and I would just go off. He'd be like, whoa, 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 sis, what's happening? What's so, why are you so mad? I hadn't done a thing. I had just built a case. I had really built, I had grown this ugly, bad tree in my brain. And so, bad trees, 
will give you bad fruit. And I was seeing a lot of bad fruit really just in the in the day-to-day nitty-gritty in my marriage. Um, <clears throat> so stop. You've got to stop thinking. You've got to stop feeding and growing this negative tree, all right? So that's the first step. You've got to stop feeding those thoughts. You've got to just decide, oh, I'm doing it again. Oops, I'm doing it again. Uh, let me cut that out. Let me change. Let me change track. You know, your, your brain is really going to jump on the same tracks just because you're wired that way, and it's going to take a minute to pull you off of those tracks. So it's so important that we stop obvious offenders, don't cherish um, small transgressions. I used to just kind of cherish them. And I would put them on a shelf, and I would walk past them and say, I know about them, and I'm still mad, <laughs> or, and I'm still hurt about that. I mean, y'all, that is death. That is death to your relationships. That is death to your friendships with your girlfriends. It's death to your friendship with your sister, your brother, your mom, your dad, your husband, even your children. We got to move on. So you got to pull the plug and notice and notice what you're thinking about. But it's not enough. It's not enough to just stop thinking negative thoughts. You have to grow a new thing in your brain. And this was also Gary Smalley's message. He was so excited. He's gone on to be with Jesus now, but I will never forget his enthusiasm. He was on his feet and gesturing wildly, and he just said, I'm growing, I'm growing good trees in my brain now. I've stopped growing bad ones, and I'm growing good ones. And so here's what I want you to do. Growing a good tree involves replacing thoughts, maybe negative ones, or maybe just neutral ones, or just vacant space time that you have in your brain. Just replacing that time with real truth. Like, what is the absolute truth? And the interesting thing is, there's really not many reliable sources for what's true in your life, right? I mean, like, you can't call your mom and be like, Mom, what's really true here? She can't see. She can't see the whole picture. There's only one place that we can go. The obvious answer is to God's Word. We've got to replace negative thoughts, replace vacant space in our brains, and meditate on God's word. And so what Gary Smalley suggested was that you put a short command of scripture um, on your mind and that you think about it repetitively, seven to 12 times a day. And here's the best part. You got to do it with passion. (laughs) So you got to do it like you're teaching it to a second grader. You got to say, you know, um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It is my strength. He has has become my song. You've got to do it with passion. This is what changes things in your brain when you do it over and over again and you do it with passion. You know, the sovereign Lord, well, no, that's not the one. Um, if If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously. He gives generously to all without finding fault. He, it will be given you. So that's, that's actually too long. You shouldn't even use that. That's just too long. Shorten it to, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. I mean, I'm telling you, pick out something so short that you can come back to all day long. And when you start to go down the road, when you start doing when you stub your toe on the same thing that makes you 
be so annoyed with your home or so disappointed with the condition of whatever circumstance in your life, your car is always falling apart, whatever it is, jump in there with. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives it generously. We're going to find some command, and you're going to say it over and over again. And I'm just, I'm begging you to do it. Like, what, what would happen if you actually tried this? You know, I was thinking this week about, I, I was thinking, I wish I could show them all these emotional, inspirational moments in, athlete, in athletics. We were down in Orlando this weekend, and the NBA, NBC Center has all they play all day on these Three huge screens, like as big as that wall, maybe maybe three times as big as this wall, is great moments in sports. Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> you know, all day long. It's so inspirational. But, you know, none of us look at those pictures and say, man, she was just so naturally gifted. I bet that was easy for her. Right? Nobody looks at Michael Phelps and is like, his shoulders are so broad. That must just be, I mean, he probably just swims a couple laps and eats right. No, like we know they've given their whole lives. They've given their whole lives to have that moment, that moment of greatness. And that's what we're talking, this is what I'm talking about. I'm asking you to give your whole life, your whole life, all of your spare thoughts to God's word. If you, what if you did it? What if you really did it? It would be phenomenal. What if, what if just five of us just were like, I'm doing it. I'm going to be Mary, Mary Lou Retton of the Bible. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I'm telling you, it's, it's a profound thing to give your life over to God's word. It will change your life. I, I can remember I, inv- I invited some people to tell me, um, what does God's word mean to you? I was teaching this to my kids last spring, my teenagers, and I asked my mom, I said, I need it in, I need it in three sentences. She's real wordy and, um, and wise and very, very wise. I love you, mom. Um, she's listening. Um, and she blew my mind because she said, she said, oh, I know the answer. Oh, I already know. I was going to say, just like tomorrow I'll call you and I'm going to videotape you. And she was like, oh, I've got it right now. I was like, oh, okay, let's go. Mom, what does God's word mean to you? And she looked at me and she said, everything. That's it. It means everything. So if it really means everything, can we do this? Can we do this and let God just completely re-hardwire your brain? You can grow a new thing. You can change your relationships. You can, you can heal your marriage. You can, you can get back on track with your teenager or with your sister. This, this is where it starts, though, inside your heart, the seat of your, your thoughts and your emotions. This is... This is only God can get to this, and only God's truth can really change us there. So, all right. So that's lesson one. (laughs) Now we're going to move into lesson two. Actually, I'm going to look at time. Okay. Um, Kim, it's 730. Do you want to? 
Do we want to go to lesson two? Okay. All right. So, speaking of the inner traffic, you might hear some voices in your mind, and let's talk about it, all right? So, we've got a couple of voices that we might be hearing from on the daily in your mind, okay? And if you're not sure what I mean, just hang with me here. But before we jump in, let's talk about two things, condemnation and conviction, okay? So, Condemnation is to express complete disapproval of, typically in public and without reservation, to judge worthy of punishment, to render another's wickedness more evident by one's own good behavior. Okay, that's condemnation. Who does that sound like to you? Who condemns us? The enemy. Thank you. Conviction. Conviction is to bring to light, to expose, to correct, or demand an explanation to convince of error or sinfulness, and to compel one to admit the truth. All right, who does that sound like? God, right? The Holy Spirit. All right, next slide. This is the way I like to look at it. God will show you from time to time what's going on. He will convict, he will convict you. And you can think of it like an x-ray. We've got to get you some, some help, Nancy. <laughs> Is what he's saying to me. Sister, we've got to get you some help. I'm convicting you of some some problems in your life. But the enemy, this is how the enemy works over here, this picture on the right. Okay? He will publicly disgrace you. He will tell you you are horrible. And what is so fascinating is that he will invite you and entice you to sin. He will tell you it is. Your friends are doing so much worse. I mean, come on. It's this one thing. And the minute you do it, he will turn around and say, Oh, I thought you were better than that. I am so disappointed. That's not God talking to you. That is your enemy. He is, he is an accuser. He will condemn you, okay? So let's go. Let's, I'm jumping ahead of myself, though. Here we go. Let's jump to the next slide. we got the voice of Christ. Does Christ condemn us? I think you all know. He does not. We'll just read one of those scriptures. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the answer is no. God does not condemn us. When you hear the hiss, my mom always says that. When you hear that hiss, honey, you just got to say, no, no, sir. When you hear that, oh, I knew you couldn't be better than that. You do this every time. You will never, you will never get better. This, 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 this is as good as it gets, and you can't do any better, and you probably don't even want to do any better. Okay, that is your enemy talking to you. That is not the way our Lord, our King, our Savior talks to us. God uncovers sin in our lives to save us and to heal us. And there will be times when you know without a doubt that God has said, whoa, 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 let's back up. You dropped a stitch. And that dropped stitch will stay there until you go back and repair the dropped stitch. So this is how, that is how conviction works, all right? All right, number two, the voice of Satan, our accuser. Did you know that Satan actually means accuser? That was news to me. Um, <clears throat> so Job 1 says, does, face, does, God Job, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan reply, replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything his, he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks, his herds are spread out through all the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Our enemy said that directly to God. 
That is phenomenal. All right, so who does Satan, what of what does Satan accuse Job? Faithlessness. Basically being greedy. He's just honoring God because he has all this good stuff, right? And he accuses, God, uh, accuses Job to God's face. All right, next one. All right, another example, just, just, just to show you that actually in Scripture we're going to see that Satan is called the accuser. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Okay, what is Satan doing? You can say it. It's accusing, right? And who, where, and who does he do it to? God. And where is he? In, well, at the throne, it says. Before God all day long. He's, it's, it's crazy. The God, Satan is in God's presence and accusing you. Um, it's interesting here that I've basically said what I've already said before, that our ancient enemy is such a stickler for the rules. He will tempt you to sin and then turn around and vehemently accuse you and condemn you. All right, and why does he do it? He's revealing sin in your life to destroy you. This is his number one goal. He just wants to destroy you and to make you crumple. All right, that is, that is the voice of the accuser. All right, next. All right, there's a third voice in your head, though, and it's yours. This one will get us all mixed up. <laughs> all right, so 1 Corinthians 4.3 says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. So we could go on a lot about our own voice, but I think we'll just boil it down to the one bullet point that our pastors taught us so well over the years, basically that true humility is just agreeing with God about who you are, just agreeing with him. Um, and so it's going to take you to a peaceful place when you agree that I have been redeemed. I have been set apart and sanctified. I am safe in the everlasting arms of Jesus. I mean, all of these things are your truth. So uh, just Learning to agree with what God says about you. Let your voice become that. Let your voice just embrace the truth of who God says you are. And if you want to know more about it, the freedom of self-forgetfulness is out there. And, and this slide is basically everything in that book. And I mean, there's so much more. But yeah, you'll, it's a wonderful, wonderful, teeny tiny read. You could read it in one afternoon. All right. Um, do you have a tendency to think too highly of yourself? Do you think too lowly of yourself? You know, everybody has a different answer. I tend to think too lowly of myself. Brandon would probably say that he thinks too highly of himself. Both of them are super dangerous. Both of them are not true. So just agreeing with God, this is just huge for us to recognize that we want to listen to God's voice. And when we speak, we want to be speaking the truth and agreeing with what God says is true. Okay, um, I have some discussion questions for you. I think that people learn best when they do a little bit of talking and thinking about what, you know, what you've heard. So you, Kim, are we going to do that or not? Or do we have time?
Okay, and then after that, do we have time? Just let's do 10 minutes of discussion, and then I'll come back, and we'll kind of wrap up with Psalm 139. Okay, so here's your three, here's your three questions. You can pick one, um, or you can try to race through all three. I wonder if what you might want to do might be to turn to the person on your right or your left and just speak to one person or maybe groups of three. It might be difficult to talk across all the way across the table. I do want it to be meaningful for you, so it's just something to think about if you want to do it that way. Question one, can you identify a person or a situation about which you are growing an unhealthy tree in your brain? What are you going to do about it? Now, question two, are you working on an assumption that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? If so, list some ways that you hear his voice. Um, if you have some wisdom on that, share that with your table. And then third, do you find it surprising that Satan accuses the brethren, the brethren to God's very face? Why does it make sense for Satan to accuse us? How does it help him accomplish his goals? So, You'll never get through all, the, all those, but I'll give you some time just to talk, talk amongst yourselves here for a second. All right. Hey, ladies. Ladies. Girls. Yoo-hoo. Good job. Bravo. I like the spirit. It was loud in here. I, um, I hope you made a friend, or I hope you feel like I have friends again after being getting a little time to talk. All right, so we're going to do our very last slide. I think that um, I just want to run through this beautiful, beautiful psalm. I really wanted to just teach this psalm. Like, all I wanted to do was just only do this. Um, but I decided just to sneak it in as kind of a attack on at the end. Um, Kim wanted me to tell you guys that this talk is going to be recorded, and even the slides, she'll be able to put those up on the website. So if you want to go back and look at any of the slides or reference any of that or share it with a friend, you can do that. Okay, so this, this psalm is so good. I um, have been thinking about it a lot, and the reason I love it is because we learn that we're made in God's image, so we are like him, and because we are like him, here, right here in the middle, how precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God, how vast is the sum of them. This is all about the inner life, and God has an inner life. God has a beautiful, beautiful thought life. So let's, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Let's go back up to the very first, heart, first part here. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. All right, so have searched, present perfect verb tense. Was done, is being done. It's huge. Don't miss it. He has searched you, and he is searching you, and he did know you when you were 12, and he does know you now. It's beautiful. Don't, don't miss it. Let that wash over you. He know, You know when I sit and when I rise. You understand my thoughts from afar. He knows where you are in the world. He knows about 285. 
He does. He knows. He knows about the line at Hobby Lobby. (laughs) He knows. He knows when you sit. He knows when you rise. He understands your thoughts. Oh, my goodness. It's precious. God understands your thoughts. He sees your thoughts. He cares for you. He, you search, he searches out our path and our lying down. He's aware of all of our ways. Basically, I see that as he's familiar with your habits. He knows what sat, how difficult Saturday mornings are or how great they are. I don't know which one yours is, depending on your stage of life. He knows. He knows how long Mondays are. He knows how you dread Friday mornings. Because of that meeting you've got to be in for the first three hours. He knows. He knows your habits. Let that encourage you. You hem me in behind him before. You've laid your hand upon me. Another present perfect verb. He has done that. He is doing that right now. My father has gone to be with Jesus. But he would lay his hand on me. And what I mean by that is he... He would put his arm around me as we crossed the street. I remember very vividly. He, he really would always put his arm around me to cross the street. He, my dad loved to hold hands with me, even as a grown woman. And I can tell you an exact time when he did this. We were going to a wedding. My mom couldn't attend, and so we attended together. And we got out of the car in the parking lot, and he put his hand out. And I was like, oh. This is so sweet. We walked into that wedding holding hands, and I'll tell you what, y'all, it ministers to me to think about it. I want you to know your father has his hand on you, and you don't miss it. This is where God's word is so rich. That one line, that could change your, your night. That could change your whole week. God's hand is upon you, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to contemplate. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. We shouldn't feel bad that we have fifty to 70,000 thoughts a day. We are made in God's image. We are like him in so many ways. Now, he's other. I know we're not just like him, but he has thoughts too. And what do we learn about God's thoughts? They're precious. Another translation said they're rare, beautiful. His thoughts are perfect. Let that just encourage you today. Let that, let that bless you that when he thinks about you, his thoughts are perfect. They're precious. They're rare. And he is thinking about you. I tried so hard to get this verse to say, how precious to me are your thoughts. Like, how is God? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. God is having infinite numbers of thoughts. Beautiful. All right, so the psalm finishes with these last four lines. And what I love here is that we open with, Oh, Lord, you have searched me. But now David says it again, but he says it in a different way. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. So now the the author of this psalm, David, is saying, I know you can search me. You have searched me. I'm asking you to please search me again. 
He, this is that joyful welcoming of God's activity in your life. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Make that your 7 to 12 times a day rehearsal. Make that verse. You know, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Invite him in to your life. This is what David's doing, and it's what you can do too. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Guys, I don't, I don't want you, I, I don't necessarily just want to give, give you a pathway to a better life. I want you to know that God is great. He is glorious. He is on a throne right now encircled by elders and beings who are praising his name, and he's worthy. He's worthy of a life that looks like this. He's worthy of of a thought life that honors him. And you know what? I think you'll find that when you you give God what he's worthy of, you, you will find that your path is easier and that your burden is lighter with your family and, and people will notice that there's something different about you. But we're doing this because we love God and because he is so worthy and he's so great and so glorious. And he's thinking about all of you. He's thinking about me. And he's made us in his image and we can do better up here. We really can do better. So let me pray for you, and then I think we're going to go into some worship. All right. God, thank you. Thank you that you think about us. And when you do, your thoughts are perfect, rare, and beautiful. Lord, thank you that you know, you know when we sit and when we rise and you know what we're thinking. Lord, you're acquainted with all of our ways and you're familiar with our habits. I pray, Lord, that we would say, it's enough. It's enough that God knows. God knows my habits. God knows my thoughts. God knows how hard I've tried. I do not need to make anyone else know. I do not need anyone else to understand how hard this day has been how long this commute was, how much this baby cried. Lord, I pray that it would be enough that you know you are acquainted with all of our ways, Lord. Let that comfort us. Let that truth just go out with us like perfume tonight. Just fragrance our lives that we serve a God who knows us and knows where we are, Lord. I pray that we would just worship you because you're worth it and because you're glorious and great. And as we do, Lord, I pray that we'll see that our lives look sweeter and that we can grow beautiful trees in our minds. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.